Hello and welcome to In the Envelope, an awards podcast. I am your host, Jack Smart, awards editor at Backstage, the most trusted name in casting. I'm here to spotlight some of the most exciting film, television, and theater awards contenders working today. Who is in the running? What makes an awards-worthy performance? And how can you, my dear listener, win a statue of your own? We're sitting down for intimate, inspirational interviews with actors and artists to get that insider's perspective on these questions and more. It's an opportunity for some of today's most talented stars to share their craft and career advice, and maybe, just maybe, provide a tantalizing glimpse in the envelope. I've both succeeded enough and failed brutally enough on stage to learn that okay. like I'm still alive, I'm still gonna try again, you know? Yes. Um, and I've learned that it's the pursuit that is inspiring, you know, whether you succeed mm. or you fail, the beauty is in the endeavor. What inspires me is when I see people go for it. June. It's almost June. For us, Tomorrow, it's almost June. Tomorrow, yeah. Yeah. Whenever this episode airs, it's going to be early. Yeah. Then. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like it, but. What's going on in your. Uh, how's your life? Oh, well, I just came from a casting, which is why I'm sweaty and gross. A casting? Yeah. Um, For what? Uh, a TV commercial, voiceover. Nice. Um, Congratulations. I heard about it last night. Thank you. Well, we'll see if I. You heard I do about it last night? Yeah. You did it this morning? Yeah. Um, that's the life of a working actor. That's people. right. That's right. Damn. Sells up early. But no, it was good. It was it was fun. And uh, yeah, trotted on down here and ready to go. Ready to go. Talking about all our exciting interviews. Yeah. I feel like today's is a prime example of why we do this podcast, because it's Brandon Victor Dixon. Yeah. And I've been jokingly referring to it as the gold standard of <laughs> in the envelope interviews. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I could tell you... Uh, Enjoying the interview because you made oh, some interesting God. noises throughout. <laughs> it's true. Case in point. <laughs> You'll see. You'll hear it. It's true. I'm not cutting them out, by the way. Oh, not I'm at not all. I'm not doing it because it's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brandon, he's, uh, I felt like we spoke the same language. Yeah. I feel that way often with the theatery people, I think. Mm. He's also our second Aaron Burr we've had on this podcast yes, after right. Leslie Odom Jr. He's the second Aaron Burr on Broadway. But Brandon, I suppose he actually was best known for that. He was also Tony nominated for The Color Purple, which I saw back in 2006, I think. And then more recently, Shuffle Along. But he was in Jesus Christ Superstar, mm. the NBC Live telecast. Which gave me panic attacks just hearing about the process. <laughs> I yeah, talk about a quick you turnaround. Have, you, yeah, you have to have Can nerves you of steel to do something Oh, like I that. can't believe. I know. The logistics of putting it together were, were really, really interesting. Mm. And then um, he makes everything seem effortless. Yeah. Like, he's kind of so good that he's like, oh, yeah, no big deal. If you've seen his performance in this thing, it's like, how can you talk about that in a way that d- involves like, oh, not a lot of work? Of course, a lot of work went into it. Yeah. And we, we elucidate on that. But like. He struck me as someone who is unflappable, you know, and yeah. uh, oh. goes goes with things. You know, mm-hmm. there was almost an improvisational quality to uh, <gasps> yes. everything he att- attacks. It's re- he called it, it's reckless abandon and it's focus. That's how he approached playing Judas in Jesus Christ Superstar, but I think that's how he approaches everything. That's how 
maybe good musical theater acting is is releasing yourself into the moment and into the music is but that not moving to the point. from one to another or is this simultaneous I th- reckless abandon that's a good question I feel like it's got to be both. Like, I feel like the part of the thing about training as a theater actor is you you get your instincts to the point that you are able to have the focus mm. at all times. And then within that, to have the inventiveness, the originality, the mm. sometimes even it is a spontaneity. Yeah. And for a live uh, televised musical concert TV special where the cameras are on you, but maybe they're not on you, but they're swiveling around the stage all the time. Yeah. I was, it blew my mind to hear that they rehearsed it basically once. Yes. <laughs> with the cameras. That's insane. And they didn't yeah. start rehearsals until like a month before it happened and like right. insane. He didn't think it was a big <laughs> thing because uh, he was like, yeah, it's just a 45 minute show. This is easy. But yeah, 45 right, minute show in front of millions of people on TV. Millions. <laughs> and as we discussed, he's, um, he's there alongside John Legend is Jesus. Sarah Bareilles as Mary Magdalene. Um, Alice Cooper is in it. Ben Daniels is in it. Um, a lot of fun, like Broadway types that it was kind of fun to see and recognize. Mm. Also worth noting that this was directed by David Laveau and choreographed by Camille A. Brown. And for those, for anyone who doesn't know, Jesus Christ Superstar is, of course, the Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber mm. rock musical, rock concert musical about Jesus. Yeah. This last week of his life. Do you want to give us a little medley of songs while we're... Ah! I absolutely do not. Because <laughs> if we're about to hear like the sultry tones of Brandon Victor Dixon's speaking voice... He gets a little poetic in any... the middle here as well, doesn't he? Oh, he does. It was, uh, that's, it, that's something I, to look forward this to. Is what I, this is why I'm saying it's the gold standard, because it's poetical mm. sometimes, and, and it got quite philosophical or big picture but he also had very practical advice including some vocal care stuff i had never heard before um that was really really fascinating obviously for any musical theater performer everyone has a like a different way of taking care of their voice Mm. and i've been hearing a lot about that recently during this tony season right but um his was kind of blew my mind because quite honestly whenever i hear something in these interviews that i've never heard before it Mm. blows my mind (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely but yeah brandon was super candid and and i really loved when he opened up about um he went to columbia and then he followed that up immediately with the audition for the lion king yeah and his talking about doubt and fear at that early stage in his career i think that's really gonna speak to people yeah definitely resonate listeners um i think that's all we got to say about brandon we should um make sure we get straight to it Let's do that sign-off Let's again. do a sign-off. <laughs> How do we do a sign-off for this? Uh, I think pretty Jamie, much what we did, not, just with with I'm not caffeinated. Just take a swig. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Hey, if you are an actor or an aspiring actor, someone at the beginning of your artistic career, and you haven't signed up for Backstage yet and you don't know how it works, I have good news for you. Backstage is offering 30 whole days completely free just for our In the Envelope listeners. If you visit backstage.com slash subscribe and enter the code ENVELOPE, you will have full access to the site where you can make a profile, upload a headshot, upload a reel, start applying to the thousands of casting notices uploaded every single day on the world's number one casting platform. Again, we are giving listeners of this podcast 30 days completely free to try out Backstage. Go to checkout, that's backstage.com slash subscribe, and enter the code ENVELOPE. If you want to be in contention for an Emmy or for an Oscar or for a Tony or for a SAG award, do as many of the guests on this podcast have suggested and use Backstage. We are here for you. Again, free 30-day trial, backstage.com slash subscribe. Enter the code ENVELOPE. 
Although well-known in the Broadway community for years of stage work, recently as Aaron Burr in Hamilton, and for his Tony-nominated performances in The Color Purple and Shuffle Along, Brandon Victor Dixon became a breakout star in front of a much larger audience this Easter, as Judas in NBC's Jesus Christ Superstar Live, the live telecast of Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice's rock opera musical. Brandon also created Walk Run Fly Productions, making him a Tony-winning producer, as well as an ideal interviewee on this podcast. Get ready to have your mind blown by Brandon Victor Dixon. Thank you for joining us on, oh. the, on the podcast. Happy, happy to be here. Um, I don't even know where to begin. You are, you're having, I feel like you're having such a moment <laughs> time right now. Am I? And I'm really, I feel like we're really thrilled to be a part of it because you, those of us in the theater community know who you are and we know that you're this triple threat, but to have this opportunity to suddenly be on What's stage. What's the third threat? <laughs> what are the three? Acting, singing, and dancing? Oh, do not insult my, my, my <laughs> brethren and sister by calling me a dancer, let alone a threat oh God, when doing so. Of course you're so. a dancer. Of course you're a dancer. <laughs> Do you consider yourself like an actor who sings? I am an actor and I am a singer. Okay, actor absolutely. and singer. Okay, absolutely. okay cool. <laughs> I'm a performer. That's all, funny. This all encompassing. There you go. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, as I mean, there's The Color Purple, there's Motown, there's Shuffle Along. Mm-hmm. And, but you'd never, I'm, it's so interesting that a big break in the sense of like, uh, showing yourself to a completely different audience and to a much bigger audience would happen in the form of like a one-time gig. It was a concert performance filmed live, and it was stunning. It was incredible. I'm glad it came off that way. Yeah. Like what uh, did you, first of all, how did you get the part? How did you get involved? Uh, I so I mean I I was called into audition in November uh, by oh, cool. by Bernie Telsey, who cast me in The Color Purple, uh-huh. uh, and oh, was wow. on the casting team of Motown, mm-hmm. and yeah, I've so I've known Bernie for years. Um, my Bernie called me in, and I didn't think much of it because it's just one of those things like uh, <laughs> all right, whatever. Um, but I love having on their minds the songs. So I was like, well, gotcha. I'm gonna go sing for these people because I know I'm, I, I love the song, and cool. gonna, I've, I've always wanted an opportunity to sing it for something, so it might as well oh, be this. Cool, cool. Um, and I didn't think anything of it until until February rolled around, and actually, my 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 business partner. He is working on a project with somebody who was involved in the casting, and he he said, you know, I, it's weird. I just I just met up with so and so this evening, and they were with Bernie and David Laveau, the director, so and so, and they were talking about you. He's like, I think you're gonna get a call next oh. week, and I was like, they're still doing this. I figured after John, like literally huh. after John got announced, I was like, all right, I think I think they're I think I see where their palette's going. I was like, <laughs> exactly. I think we're good. Exactly. Um, but uh, but then I was like, really? Um, they're 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 considering that, and I was like, see. and then I started to get the feeling that it was that it was probably going to happen. Actually, from that moment, did you forward. have more auditions after that, or was it? Just yes, like, I did. Oh, okay. I went in and I I sang for them again. Yeah. And with uh, and saying you know the Judas is deaf and heaven on their minds. Yeah. And what was so funny is because like my my agents are like okay they want to you know they're waiting to get everybody scheduled I think it'll be this week or next week but they want to make sure everybody's there so they can and I went in there like four people in the room and I was like I'm gonna have to do this again aren't I uh. and, then it's like, <laughs> and I you know I got a call that night they really loved you they're sending your tape to Andrew and to Tim but but Bob Andrew Greenblatt's gonna be in town this weekend so you're Whoa. gonna have to come back and so so I went back and I did it again so you went through the and Sarah Bareilles and John Legend. 
probably did not go through the same. No. <laughs> I or, highly doubt or it. Or maybe any of the other kids. I don't know. <laughs> and that's simply because, like, for a production like this, they do need they need like a headliner, right? They need like a big name or two. I mean, I think you when you when you're when you're doing something like this and you're doing going to do it on television, you want to cast the best people. You also want to cast people you, that you that you know that people will want to mm. see. Yeah. Because you want eyes on the project. You want your story to be seen. So you know, yeah. I think it's a it's a balancing act of determining like who are the who are the best people who can bring eyes, and then once you once you really secured enough of that territory then you can start to kind of really I think expand the palette of what will make your show the best show possible right 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 right. Um, and the show is told primarily through Judas's Mm -hmm. perspective and voice so I I can see why they would have taken their time to really Mm -hmm. to really make an individual sing very high songs over and over and over again to remarkable quality and consistency (laughs) until they decided they felt secure enough to offer the job so you really really (laughs) earned it and then what was it like I mean would you do you remember the moment of like of you booking this? Did you know it would be this huge, this much of a shift in your career? No, and I mean, look, life is very, very similar to how it was before April first for me. So let's <laughs> okay. not, you know, I have oh, many I more notifications on my phone, but that's the <laughs> only thing that has changed. Um, Interesting. I just, I, th- I, th- I think I did have a feeling though that this, I had the feeling that I was going to get the job before I got okay. that call, and hmm. I just got the feeling that it was going to be a very full and. Uh, uh, a full full experience a very mm-hmm. giving experience a gifted experience and that's exactly what it has been yeah, you know cool. everything i received up until april 1st was a uh, wonderful mm-hmm. just a wonderful process they gave me a great deal um and mm-hmm. everything that's come since has been lovely but it's all it's all cherry on top it's just you know <laughs> i've already been given what what the gift yeah but that get, i just love that it was a one time thing it's so interesting the this phenomenon of however, however many million people tuned in. Yeah, like 9.8, something day. like that. That's nuts. It's, it's pretty cool. But this all happened in February, so you, this was like pretty soon before. Oh, yeah, like two weeks before we got started. Yeah. Because we started rehearsal crazy. February 16th, you know? That must have been just like a really intensive rehearsal process. I mean, the, the show was so polished. I, it was, it, it, just in the scale of it, but, mm-hmm. you know, it was so well organized, and they made, they made use of everybody's schedules very well, because... Mm-hmm. Excuse me. At the time, I was finishing up a TV show. Sarah was finishing up Waitress. Oh, John yeah. went on That's tour right. for three weeks in He's Southeast super Asia. Super busy. Yeah. yeah, like it's amazing yeah. what he did. Oh yeah. To produce this, to star in this, to go on tour, like it was pretty remarkable. And and you know, Alice Cooper was on tour. They oh my brought. Gosh. You know, we started with 12 Disciples, then they brought in, like, another 10, another half of the ensemble, then they brought in another half a week or so later, then they brought in the dancers after that, and we weren't really all together until the final five, six days. And how much of those final days were, like, a full dress rehearsal with even, like, the camera work? None. It wasn't until Friday. We ran it on Friday for the first time. Everything (laughs) before that was... Camera blocking scene. Okay. We got to tech this. We got the band right now. So, because orchestra didn't come in until Friday, so it's like Whoa. we got the band, but they got to go on break today. So we're just gonna use drums and keys tomorrow oh. while we do this section. It's really time management. Yeah. What do we have to hit? Which is why both Sarah and I were asking the stage managers to post the show order on Friday and Saturday because like, you finish the uh. scene, you're like. What is the next scene? <laughs> right, right. Where? Am- right. Oh, okay. Oh, I got nine minutes? Because then you get the commercial breaks and suddenly, actually, exactly. for the actors, it really paces out. Not for the ensemble as much because they're in everything. Yeah. But when you really actually do it, I found myself, after we did it on Friday, I said, why have we been spending 12 hours a day for four weeks <laughs> 
working on a 45 minute musical I was like this yeah. thing is fast right right right, right, right. <laughs> how interesting it sounds like such a whirlwind yeah I mean it, it very much was but it, it felt it felt um, it was very deliberate, deliberately progressive, deliberately mm-hmm. layered, deliberately intensified at each level. And how does it compare in terms? Were you doing any like on-the-job learning of? You've done camera work before, but there's nothing like a doing a live stage show where also taking into consideration camera blocking. Uh, no, because they 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 made the theatrical build of the show the primary component Mm. Uh, so very much just felt like building a a piece of theater and David Laveau's understanding of storytelling in theater and for camera Mm. helped make that a very seamless process Mm -hmm. Um, because he built for the perspective of the the live stage production and and but you would find him you know laying on the ground at weird angles as you're doing scenes so that he could you know try and see what his shot is and then you found us all i think as savvy actors and actresses beginning to understand you know i can give him far more story in this one shot if i stand here so that Mm -hmm. way he gets jesus mary and he gets me just Mm -hmm. you know just making choices that inform your storytelling but Mm -hmm. that are uh, aligned with the efficiency of what you're trying to communicate because particularly with a a piece like this you know it's a concept album it's Mm -hmm. not dense material in terms of its text it's dense in terms of its it's emotional storytelling, it's mm. layering and what is actually happening, but it, you know, you don't have a lot to, you will find yourself listening to somebody sing you, uh, you know, a 32 bar response to yeah. the question you asked with totally. your own 32 bar, you know, you find <laughs> yourself, so you have to really make it clear what is happening between all of these people in, in, in very efficient ways. And I think David mm. was great at that and, and, and how Camille helped shape the movement of the space and then what Alex oh, did with the camera work. I just think it really worked. It just Absolutely. connected. There were these cool shots where like there would be a ton of action happening or yeah, that crazy choreography, but it would cut to you or to Sarah Bareilles and it almost felt like Brandon doesn't know the camera's on him, but he's in character. Like, mm-hmm. and, it, and it is helping tell the story where like, we get to see a little bit from Judas's perspective right. in that moment. And they designed it in that way, but it wasn't until, let's mm. say, Friday, or then you get to Friday or Saturday, and they're like, okay, hey, huh. last night we saw when you 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 were doing a, th- I think you popped a lozenge as you walked towards the top ah, of the panel, so he was, like, he was like, that's fine, but he's oh. like, didn't you look at me as you did, so oh, that okay. I get what is happening with <laughs> Judas as he backs. He's like, I know yeah. you're singing Heaven on Their Minds, and it's all these people around you, and you want it, but... I need you to give me the whole first section to John so that we get the cameras to show you mm. that it's Jesus and Judas and yeah. this is what's happening. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Mark Platt, our producer, for one of the shots, like oh, when yeah. I do Damn for All Time, he was like, I know you're doing your thing. He's like, can you give me, <laughs> can you just give me this section to the left right here <laughs> and then give me this change on this gotcha. lyric to the right? And he's okay. like, and if you hold... When the the flute when the the flutes come in, if you go hold for five beats before you go to look into the the money, the pouch with the coins, Ooh, he's like yeah. he's like I'm trying to I'm doing a thing, do your thing, but just give you a hold for me for a moment. I was like, got you, Mark. Uh-huh. I can I can emote thirty degrees to the left. And then interesting. <laughs> so is that like like you said, it's it's like a theatrical production in that a director of a theater show will give you the same kind of thing of like, oh, that moment you got to cheat out. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, you're not in your light. Are you? Yeah. I mean, I used to have it. What's so funny is I used to have it. Those kind of conversations in Hamilton all the time, mm-hmm. and in general, because I'm I'm well known for not doing exactly the same thing every time, gotcha. or not cool. doing exactly what you asked me to, because I'm contrary by nature. <laughs> but <laughs> cool. um, but you know, we we would find ourselves particularly like wait for it. 
Mm. You know, like Leslie is like I think his energy run, just runs a bit more cooler and smoother yeah. than mine. Like he how he communicates his performance, and I I can be a bit more erratic, fiery with yeah. I think my expression of things. Cool. Um, and so you know I found myself you know I make different choices and I had different so they inform my movements in different ways. Mm. But you know you have to deal with the lighting, which is based on what what. <laughs> You know, Andy and Tommy and Lynn are yep. trying to communicate through their narrative it's and, in. Yeah. and what they built with Leslie and how he was communicating. Mm. So you found yourself, mm. you know, balancing against that. Yeah. Because that's what the structure is, but also needing to give what made sense, you thought, for you and what you were doing. And so, I, you know, I find myself... Huh. You know, in the in doing those those sorts of things, but I think the fact that it was an immediate show, we were only doing one or two takes yep. at it. It also made it. You know, I didn't have time to think about why I didn't want right. to do this movement. Was, totally, was, you, you can't know. get in your head if you're. Yeah, it's just like yeah, I got. That. And, and it was yeah. so funny because David Laveau as a director, you know, he's a very soft-spoken British man, very intelligent, very sensitive, and he <laughs> you very very he will kid glove his actors. He's like, yeah, Brandon, if you wouldn't mind, see how it would feel if you were to open up on on here and maybe. Let me take a step back. Let me try it. And but you get to the certain point where we're like, hey, "What do you want? You Just need me to me go to over here? Yeah. Got you. We got. We're doing this in three hours. I got you. I'm gonna go over here. Right, you need me to right. look right? I can do that. Well, <laughs> and that kind of like slapdash, like throwing it together. It actually works with the aesthetic of that show, not yeah. just the production, like the actual. It's a concert. Like yeah. it is a concept album. You know. It's also very symbolic, and to do it that kind, like I'm thinking of the the lashings, mm-hmm. all of these moments that were very that were very symbolic. That's embrace true the, of the lyrics. Of yeah, it. So yeah. This, we all, we all, we all know that we aren't really these people. We're not really in right. this time. It's okay. Exactly. We can tell the story. It, it it was part rock concert. Yeah. In a way. Absolutely. And you guys were interacting with your audience differently than a Broadway show. It's safe to say, right? Yeah. I thought. I mean, I think for all of us, it was different. I mean, particularly saw so the way John embraced the people and the way the ensemble interacted with them. But it very much mm. fit the time. You know, the on. The, the audience was the, was the community at large who can get yeah. caught up in the epicenter of energy that build around certain people or cool. build around certain movements. You know, that, that's really because that's the reflection of the piece. It's, it's a, a yeah. man with a message mm-hmm. that inspires a certain group of people to do unifying and good works. Mm-hmm. And then the, the celebration and the success of these good works begin to just become a celebration not of the message or mm-hmm. the people, what they've created, but the celebration of the man and the deification of the man and mm-hmm. then it becomes not a not a mass of people embracing the message but a mass of people caught up in the celebration and in the energy and in the frenzy of the movement and so yes. you go you, you go further and further away from what you're actually supposed to be doing and yep. the thing that will change and transform all of us and the thing that forces us to do work and investment in ourselves as opposed to giving the responsibility and the power to the the, the, the idol that we've created yes. now because we're caught up in the frenzy it's all of that Yes, it's very 2018, or it's very like this particular moment in time in America. Yeah. I feel like yeah, absolutely, our it's idolization of these people. And it's our, a cyclical, yes. you know, and that's our spiritual mythologies. They tell the cyclical tales of us as communities. Whoever the prophet is this mm-hmm. time, whoever the the leader is this time, whoever the you know, and it's we repeat them in different ways yeah. over and over again, and it's. We got to get better. We have to evolve at each hey, incarnation. That was so mind blowing, especially <laughs> since I had not thought about the audience, the audience's role in that way. Uh, they're very much a character, I guess you could say, yeah. in a show like that. Absolutely. But also, it must have been very, very different considering you didn't have an audience 
before the one performance. You didn't have a dress rehearsal with an audience. Yeah, you didn't, but you you are still, there's so many people working on a show like that, you are all in the room paying attention all at the same time. You know, you're, you're giving it and you find, I have found, one, there, there, there's layering to performance. So it's, it's about the text and it's about the music and it's about the words and then mm. it's about those things and the fellow actors and then it's about those things and your space and then it's about those mm. things and the energy of the people in the space and what happens when you when you look at them or when you don't look at them, when you use them as a mass or when you use them as an individual. And hmm. like it, I find that it unlocks different things for you. So for us, you know, once we had an audience, we were we were ready for that that yeah. additional energy. We were ready to. I was ready to. To, you know, let let myself start to exist in a space, where you are present, where yes. everything that is oh, happening, that. you are pre- you're not yeah. hidden, you are present. Mm-hmm. And when you, if you can give yourself over to that, then it means that then suddenly we start having an experience together. That's the possibility that a circumstance sure. of that creates, if you can tap into it or not. Sure, but you also you called it a frenzy, and it, and of course it was like that opening number was so. It felt like the audience was kind of freaking out. It's like, how do you give into that without giving in too much? And you, like, well, you 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 don't, and it helps Judas. It was it was weird. The opening number in particular, heaven on your minds, because mm. it is such a this is the tale of what's happening right now and what's going on. Yeah. Like, so it's very much like you need to listen to what the hell he's saying for sure. Yeah. And I, so we none of us. In fact, Andrew, Sir Andrew, said the next day he's like, you know, what, I want to talk about about, about about how we how we discuss the audience, how we prepare them for the production because the excitement is great, but oh. but you know we want them to especially the opening number. We he want them to context. hear the words. Oh. We want them to hear you know. Um, and so, you know, you, when they're cheering during Heaven on Their Minds, there is a there is an element of, okay, they're doing that, but you have to keep telling your story and you have to keep, but it's very, it's yeah. perfect for Judas because Judas' mm. whole show is trying to get the people around him to, to listen up. to what he is saying. Yeah, totally. And they're not. Yeah. <laughs> they're at a show. <laughs> you they're know? caught up in the spectacle. Yeah. You yeah. know? And that's that. But so it helped me. It was just like, people listen exactly <laughs> yeah but then in your last number i almost feel like it's the opposite where, where you've got you've got well you had us as an audience you had us as an audience by that mm, point right but it also just felt really celebratory and you just like cranked up the energy in this different way now that you were clad in a silver bedazzled <laughs> deconstructed <laughs> tank top and such and at one point you were like you were like screlting as you like threw yourself on the floor and spun around on the floor <laughs> And people were free. People were living like it was. <laughs> <laughs> people were living. So was that a different moment for you? Of like, well, the show's almost over. I have one last big number. Yeah, I'm dead now. Kind of. <laughs> I mean, it's like you know, as I was walking up the stairs to be revealed. You know, I I, I sat there and I was like, okay, so have you, you looked like you were having so much fun. And I was like, all right, you've done you've done everything. You know the steps. You've got your lozenge. You're gonna the notes are right. They're gonna come or they're not. So <laughs> like, let's, let's go. Yeah. And you and it mostly, but it's like it's. It's reckless abandon and it's focus because you've got to be able to breathe while you're yeah. running around and you're sliding around and you're s- screaming out notes for the Lord. It's so, you know, <laughs> so you, it's all of that. But, um, but you know, mm. it's fun, but it's focused and it's mm. and you are thinking about that thing you learned because you watched the playback yesterday. So you're like, oh, oh cool. <laughs> oh. Yeah. You're falling back on your training in those moments. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah your training and yeah. your rehearsal and your and you're focused, like, because there's, there's a very easy to, to work and practice and then lose yourself in a thing. And that can be yeah. good, and sometimes it can it cannot be good. You kind of sure. want to ride the line and make sure that the thing that you're really trying to get done gets across. Yeah. 
you know so that yeah. level of awareness is, is is what tells you what's needed mm-hmm. when and where so i i think that's that's kind of how that operates. i like that the abandon but also like you have you have to hit your mark if you yeah. don't hit your mark then no one's going to see that exactly that moment yeah. talk to me about this lozenge what <laughs> what's the secret there <laughs> I have. How do you take care of your voice? You know, it, well, there are rest is how you take care of your mm-hmm. voice. But you know, I, I do. I do drink. I make. I make elixirs of like <laughs> cloves and lemon and mm-hmm. ginger and okay. you know, you know uh, uh, cayenne pepper and stuff. But mm-hmm. you know, I there's this. I don't know what is in it. It's this Chinese herb lozenge thing that one of the dressers in Motown it tastes got really me. gross no it tastes great oh, okay um but she got it for me and it just it just opens you up and keeps you keeps you moist when you want to sing and so it's mm. the kind of thing I'll either if I have to sing a song later in a scene I'll either tuck a piece of a lozenge in the back of my mouth or I'll tuck a piece of an apple like when I would do rent Oh. Because there's a whole song before he comes out and he sings as a reprise. I would stick a piece of apple in the back of my scene, so I go out, do the number, and then Collins would get emotional by a column before he would turn around and <laughs> sing the song. So I would chew my apple and swallow it. And, <laughs> and the apple helps? Yeah. Yes, because the, the pH in the apple is oh, closest wow. to that of your saliva. And so instead, like when you drink water, it'll keep you lubricated for a moment, but then it dries yes. you out. Okay. The apple keeps you moist. And so then I'll go out and I'll sing the song. and that's so. I've never heard that about apples, but I've also never heard that trick of the trade. Of like, yeah, just you tuck have it, it in, in your, there. As you're singing. Well, yeah. I mean, well, no, well, no, not as I'm singing. Oh. You tuck it in there before, so you do your scene. Maybe I'm talking, right. you know. Right, right, right. But you, you, but you negotiate it there. Yeah, and then you, you, you know, use it right before you gotta go sing. So, and like during good. the, and this is in the middle of the show. Do you, is this all oh, down yeah. to a routine, like your Broadway re- self care routine? Yeah, it's things that I discovered, you know, throughout the years that will help in different circumstances. Mm-hmm. And you know, like mm-hmm. I, I'll have a, a I, <laughs> Juice Press has a. Has a, a fireball. Um, it's called a. Oh. It's called a mother effing fireball. And uh-huh. so that thing, psh, you have a sip of that before you sing any song, and you'll you'll stretch yourself about a good half step, whole step higher. Um, <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do. I cool. do. So those kinds of things, I you know, little little tricks here. And These there. are great tips. This is great. <laughs> this is great. Um, to go back to Judas, I want to ask about because obviously you did the same amount of homework of of creating any role or of playing any role where you had to characterize him and you had to think about you inhabiting this character, right? Mm-hmm. Did you look back on previous performances of Judas, first of all? Um, not specifically. I, I did, you know, I watched the movie. So I watched yeah. Carl Anderson's performance. Which is quite which different. Is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I would listen to him singing the songs. I, I listened to Carl Anderson primarily because that okay. dude was just in the pocket vocally. Um, you know, but for the performance itself, uh, and for the, the, the show, no, I didn't look Mm. at any other performers and I didn't really look at, um, what anybody had done. I had a very clear view of what I thought was happening in the show. You know, like I said, I didn't know the show. I didn't know the music at all, but I did know heaven on their minds. I'd I'd known that song for many years and, and I'd loved it just because the storytelling in, in it is, is Miraculous. Oh, I mean, yeah. what it manages to communicate in three minutes yeah. is extraordinary. Totally. Um, and you, you just you get everything that's happening emotionally with Judas and with Jesus and mm. and the ins and outs of what could go on. And so mm. I'd always loved that. And it was funny, you know, I performed it <clears throat> when I auditioned, having yeah. never seen the show. I did perform it kind of as a conversation to Jesus and the and the, the disciples, the apostles, you know. But when I was going back in for the callback, I was like, let me watch this thing so I can contextualize gotcha. this. 
so you know like I said what's happening before what's happening after and I started it and I was shocked to see that it was the opening number and oh, then he didn't even know that in the middle of a desert gotcha. singing by himself I was like well okay how <laughs> <laughs> like, were you so, expecting I was like not what I expected no. so I was like how does or it envision. start here yeah so I was yeah. like it begins it was like wow I see um, so, so you it's know, a new energy when you're like I'm beginning the story right yeah, it was yeah. just a whole other but I, but again you know there was that element like the storytelling is all very clear so it starts oh, yeah. here and it's like okay this is what's happening gotcha um, so, so for me it was really about uh, everything else flowed out from there yeah. and the more I discovered about the numbers and you know damn for all time and the greater the greater lengths to which myself and John and David would investigate these things you know it just began to open up more questions uh, philosophical concepts human concepts uh, or religious mm. ideological concepts and you know you find yourself like you find yourself at the end of the Judas's death and and I and I told him I said I said to David I was like you know uh there are a couple things happening when when Jesus sings poor Jerusalem and he says, you know, mm. you know, you only have to die, you only have to die. It's like that David was saying, you know, we're going to show you in that moment because there's a moment where where Judas is beginning to be like what is what is he talking about? Mm. You know, Jesus something's going on with Jesus. It's like what is he talking about? Mm-hmm. And and I said yes because that reflects on the, you know, the last supper where I say to him every time I look at you I don't understand why you let the things you did get so out of hand it's like it's like there, none of nothing that you're doing right now makes any sense totally. with respect to what you started what you bit so it's like so it's like you'd have managed better huh. if you'd had it planned that's my first moment where i begin to think are you are you you're making us do this you're 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 actually going to make this happen right and then when judas dies i said you know when i come out i say my god i saw him he looked three quarters dead you beat him so hard that he was bent and lame i was like i i said i, I was like i've been directing that to the, towards the priest and i was like it's not towards the priest he is talking to God. My God, uh, I saw him. He looked three quarters dead. And it was so hard I had to turn my head. You beat him so hard that he was bent and lame. Uh, and I know who everyone is going to blame. I don't believe he knows I acted for our good. This whole time I've been doing this because Jesus is making me do this. Like he's, he's, he's mm-hmm. spurning me. He's forcing me to go. To, you want me to do this. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I'm like, I had to watch him go through this thing that he walked willingly into. And I'm saying it's like, I don't know that he even understands what the hell is happening. It's like you're making us both walk this path that I, that neither one of us understand. Because yeah. Jesus says it too. He it's says, "Before I was inspired, now I'm sad and tired. Surely I've exceeded expectations." Like. I'm, I'm doing this, but I don't understand why I have to do this. Judas is like, I'm doing this. I don't understand why yeah. I had to do this. You've murdered me. Ugh. And That's now so I'm going to be condemned. So, and so my God, when he says my God, it's not an expression. It's not my God. No, it's my he's God. directing. Yes, I saw him. Yeah. It's like, I, I saw what you did. It's like, it's what you made me uh. do to him. It's like, uh, and I know who everyone's going to blame. Oh, yeah. You sacrificed both of us, but he's going to be deified and celebrated, and I'm going to be damned for mm-hmm. all time. Yeah, yeah. He starts to see this big picture, and it is all God is to blame, or God is the author of all of these, of all of these events. Yeah. Yeah. And how do I feel about the fact that you authored all these events? If this how is you your will yeah. be done, what is, how do It's a and, crisis of faith, too. Right. And so, and I, and I think that that's the really big, great question that I hope the show can make us answer. Because it's like you mm. do see two people who are, who you never hear from God. You oh, never yeah. actually hear from God. But mm. these two people walk this path to the destruction of themselves and the people <laughs> they love because of what they believe they have to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So if what we are each walking around believing that we have to do for the betterment of ourselves and everyone around us, but it is generally seeming to lead to the destruction of ourselves right. and the people we love, <laughs> well, let's ask questions about how we are interpreting the things that we believe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what is free will and what is preordained and how much of it is our fault? And how much of it is... Well, the only players on the stage were the stars. people who made the decisions. No matter what, right. they, why they thought exactly. or who they thought was talking to them or who they thought was mm -hmm. making them, it was still only we were the ones who decided to walk the paths we walked and sacrifice the people we sacrificed, whether they were ourselves or each other. Totally. Totally. Well, and as you're, t as you're talking about his trajectory in that way, it very much reminds me of Aaron Burr. Yeah. Did it... I mean, is it safe to say that, like... There are some strange parallels between Judas and Aaron. Absolutely, and they didn't you, occur to you me must have until. Found those. Yeah, they didn't occur to me until one of our first press days, and people were like, "Hey, <laughs> right?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, yeah, you're." And you didn't correct. know the show beforehand, so that was part of it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you had just come from playing Burr for months, mm -hmm. for a long time. Yeah, a year. Yeah. And um, what are the similarities? How did one prepare you for the other? Um, I mean, I think the similarities. I, I think there's there are structural similarities. Oh, you yeah. know, I think you you can see uh, he's just a narrator. The perspective, he's an the antagonist, exactly. Sort of the antihero. Yeah, you come into the show with a certain specific feeling and label already affixed to Burr, already affixed to Judas. Totally. And the text offers you an opportunity to see them through a wider spectrum. Yeah, yeah. You know, which hopefully allows us to see ourselves yeah. through a wider spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and and I, so you, the similarities of those of those paths are are quite clearly there. Um, and the same kind of thing, you know, you see you see Burr at the end where he says, you know, it's like now I'm the villain in your history. Oh yeah, and he's like. You know, for me, that's him addressing God, right? Yeah, and my my interpretation of, of Burr was always like Burr really, really liked Hamilton and wanted to be down mm -hmm. with this dude. We're both orphans with the same age. We're yep. both smart. We're driven. You know, but at every turn, he just felt spurned by this cat. Mm -hmm. You know, Hamilton and the Sons of Liberty were like, Nah, man, you're a dork. Or you go over there, or you know, you're you're always so controlled, Burr. Mm -hmm. What do you mind? You, Hamilton was also like, you know, he was like, you need to do more. You need to act like this, or you need. Right. But it's that same kind of you're amongst a group of people whom you share, you love, you care about, and you share the same ideals with. But you feel isolated amongst these people. Mm -hmm. You feel spurned by these people. So you you know you you seek. I'm seeking an ally in the in Caiaphas and Annas, or I'm seeking an right. ally in Jefferson and in mm -hmm. uh, uh, Monroe. You know, so it's like it's that you those parallels are absolutely there. I imagine you learned a lot as Burr. Uh, yeah. Is it safe to say it's the most challenging Broadway show you've done? No. <gasps> no. no. I mean, no. Uh, just in terms of uh, partly because it's so really? wonderfully well constructed uh, okay. like it's very specifically constructed mm -hmm. it's a machine that thing will you start the turntable and the thing yeah. go you know and you if you miss it uh. it will keep going without you yeah. so you you lose your line or you, you lose your step it's like it it's so it huh. it goes yeah. um yeah and the, because the material is so layered and rich, I was able to see a lot in it. You know, it, yeah. it, it, it opened my imagination. So there were so many things. I gave so many different versions of Aaron Burr right. over the course of the, that, that year. Right. You know, I was I was arrogant Burr. I was damaged Burr. I was, you know, I was wanting to be friends with Hamilton Burr. And I had so many different Hamiltons, too. So there's, oh, you know, yeah. so, you know, there there were different ways to walk through that cool. journey that I. So it was it was easy because it was so good. 
And yeah. so it's, it's just created so many ideas for me to just kind of jump in and out of, um, which, which is which is why I, I told the creatives, you know, I this has been a great time. I love you all. And I uh, I thank you for the grace with which you've handled my insubordination. Because uh, <laughs> I was changing. <laughs> I was changing things all the time. <laughs> so, I mean, that, nobody minded. Right? <laughs> well, no, I mean, look, anytime you are going to interpret somebody's work, you know, you have yeah. to make sure you do it with intelligence and with integrity. So, no, they they, they welcomed most of the <laughs> things I did. But, you know, every now Alex Lockamore did have off. notes. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know? He was like, oh, that was interesting. Can we, yeah, can we go back to that? Like, yeah, 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 we can go back. <laughs> and you, you, you knew Leslie. Yeah. And Lynn as well? Yeah. And Renee, of course. You knew Renee. Yeah, Leslie and Lynn, Chris, Renee. Like, I knew, mm-hmm. definitely, I knew all of them beforehand. Uh, Tommy as well. So just through the community and, and yeah. everybody's quality work, you know. And you jumped straight from um, Shuffle Along. Mm-hmm. When Shuffle Along closed a little earlier than was expected. Yeah. That was how you were able to do Burr. Exactly, exactly. It's been a it's been a couple of years, man, of, of constant crazy work. It has. It's been, it's been very, very good work it's been very um informative work it's mm-hmm. it's work that is very much uh you know informed who i am as a human being yes and where does your work as a producer fit into that your identity as a human being or your does you do you count it as as work as an artist oh absolutely yeah you know it's still it's just it's still a process of creation it's just mm-hmm. from an, another perspective another level um and I just like the things I do when I'm on stage. I try to make sure I choose projects that are in line with where I am personally and speak to mm. potentially the things that are happening to us in a community at large. Very cool. Is that what I mean? What advice do you have for those who are maybe interested in getting into that? Um, my advice would be seek allies. You know, oh, okay. learn to build things sure. with with friends. Uh, Learn to build things with friends and choose choose the right like-minded um, friends. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. don't be afraid to start small. Um, mm. You know, those those are the main the main tenets of advice I give. Don't mm-hmm. be afraid to start small and start things with friends. You know, it mm-hmm. doesn't have to all be yours to begin with. Wonderful. And what about the kind of <clears throat> early career acting side of things? You were telling me that the. Um, Right after Columbia, you did The Lion King, mm-hmm. but you had to toil away at that yes. in order to get there. I did have to toil away to get there. Yeah. You know, I I ran six miles a day. I did yoga three days a week. I was <laughs> learning the songs and the, the, the scenes and training at them so that I could, you know, make okay. these 10 a.m. auditions and, mm. and sing this song right and overcome my fears, which sometimes I did and sometimes I didn't. <laughs> I see. Well, I want to ask about that too. <laughs> like, what fears do you have? Do you have moments of doubt, like on stage? Did you have moments of doubt on stage in Jesus Christ Superstar? On stage, no. no. You know, fortunately, stage is the one place in which I don't tend to have moments of doubt, or at cool. least I've, I've, I've both succeeded enough and failed brutally enough on stage to learn that, okay. like, I'm still alive. I'm still gonna try again. You know. Yes. Um, and I've learned that you know the 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 you know, a lot of the times, the the it's the pursuit that is inspiring. You know, whether you succeed mm-hmm. or you fail, the beauty is in the endeavor. I, I want what what inspires me is when I see people go for it. Mm. I don't know if you get there or not. One of the most incredible performances I've ever seen is Elaine Stritch oh. singing "I'm Still Here" at the White House for oh, the Obamas. Wow. It's like eight yeah. minutes long. She forgets the lyrics all the time. It's a str- totally. like the performance. It's and you're like, oh my god! You see this legend, and it's like she's 
gonna have the most massive public <laughs> failure meltdown ever. And she finds her yeah. way through it. Yeah. And it becomes like the most triumphant thing I have ever seen because it, the craft of it is all there the whole time. Yeah. And her her mastery of an acceptance of the truth of what's happening in the moment and mm. the support of the band to keep her because that, that company starts spitting lyrics to her. And she's like, let's go back. And he, they cycle. It's just watch it if yeah. you can. Yeah. But the fact that she keeps going and she finds her way through and it only pulls through a greater honesty of the lyrics yeah. of I'm still here. I've yeah. been through Mahjong. It's like I'm still. And it's just like it's glorious to watch it's her mastery of the moment did you say her mastery her mastery of the moment and her acceptance of the 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 flaw of what is happening of of the loss of the failing Mm. of her 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 faculties of her the reception of that and still finding her not giving up not panicking to the point where it's done you stop you found your way she found her way back to the lyrics she found her way back to the you know she improvised she makes a couple jokes in the middle and she gets there and it's just it's like using Boys. failure as triumph or like using it to fuel your inspiration. Yeah, or just accepting the, you know, if you can accept the moment, then, you, then you, you'll find the door. If I accept that I'm trapped in the room, I have to accept that I'm trapped <laughs> in the room before I can find a door or a window. Or like, you know, if I'm just <sighs> lost, if, I'm just, if I can't accept where I am, then it's going to be harder for me to find my way out of where I am, you know? <laughs> that was the sound of me just like, that was pure acting advice gold that was poetry <laughs> you have to accept that you're trapped in the room first before you can find the door yeah yeah yes you know i think we spend and look this is this is just me thinking about the things i'm feeling today and in general it's like I think, yes you know you spend a lot of times caught in the emotion of what you're feeling and and also in, in like fighting the emotions without letting them pass through you process through yes. you because of how it's going to feel and then, and then sometimes until you can really just accept that it's like I'm feeling this way because I'm angry at myself right. or I'm disappointed it's like this is the room I am in mm. I, I'm in the room where I drink all the time I'm in the room where I smoke weed all I'm in the room alright is, is it time to get out of this room what does the room look like Damn. how can I get out of the room mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, you mentioned the the successes and the failures you've had on stage, and obviously we at Backstage like to focus on the successes and we're your cheerleaders, mm-hmm. but what exact moments of failure are you talking about? Are these like early in your career or do they still happen? I mean, fa- failure is the wrong word because, okay. you know, nothing has stopped, nothing has stopped, you know, and I think that that's an important thing to, mm. to understand about the things that I've labeled as failure or that we label as failure. Sure, nothing sure. has stopped. I'm still here, I'm still going, but Lion King in particular, <laughs> I had a, I just had a very difficult time singing Endless Night. Okay. And, you know, that was compounded because I, you know, it was, it was a growing place for me as a vocalist when I got the job and auditioning. Hmm. I was 50 50. Sometimes I would crack through that song. Sometimes I would sing it and it sound great. Hmm. So I knew I could do it, but I didn't trust that I could do it every gotcha. single time. And, this, you know, I left school. I'd left college. It was the first time I was doing a professional production, but it was also the first time that I was struggling with any material in a production I had right. done. So just a lot of new things. Yeah. You're trying to figure out what works and what doesn't yeah and the responsibility yeah. of it but i don't i don't know how to fix things that don't work because nothing has ever not worked for me in that there realm you before you right. know so it was it was all of that and hmm. the pressure of it and then the self-doubt and the fear that you won't get it and they're training they're <laughs> training symbols in secret behind your back you know because you because they don't trust that you're going to make oh, it because God. you sound like it was that i've never cried more in my entire life oh. 
Um, Those are normal fears that of yeah. every every actor like. Absolutely. Yeah. But my cast was really supportive, and so was Disney and the creative team. And um, and you know you discover that it's psychological because all the notes that I sing in Endless Night, I also sing in Hakuna Matata, and He Lives in You. Mm. You know, you just it, it's just there becomes a fixation. Yeah. I would work with the MD, and when we rehearse it, sometimes he'd forget to transpose Endless Night down a half a step. For oh. Because okay. uh, they would transpose it down. That's what we started to do for this show. But he would forget for to do it when we were practicing yes uh, okay. that's what they were doing on Broadway at the time but they hadn't told me uh, so once they so they told me we can try it down a half a second uh, I was like we can try it down yes, a half a second please <laughs> but you know they when we would practice sometimes he would forget to transpose it and I would sing it without any problems oh okay because it was psychological I didn't huh. know. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was down, so I would sing it with these. So when they finally came back, they said, you know, we think you sound great. We're going to move everything back up to the right keys. I said, fine, just don't tell me when you do it. Oh, wow. And so they did it one time randomly in the middle of the week. And huh. came out great. And the cast gave this huge cheer for me backstage. And I never had a problem with you it ever not. again. Never really? had a problem with it ever again. But so it was psychological. psychological. It was all psychological. How interesting. I'm loving this idea of like you as an actor, you seem to understand, as a musical theater actor, you you seem to understand the song itself is providing you every tool, like every tool you need. You just dig into the song and you dig into the lyrics and into the melody of the song. And is that safe to say that that, yeah, that provides you the characterization, the storytelling, the beginning, middle, end. Yeah, it leads each. you to what notes you're going to choose, whether they're already on the page oh, or not. It's, uh, yes. you know, it's, like, it's like, okay, well, what am I... What's the emotionality where I'm, okay. I was talking to a young kid the other day about Rent and that he lives in your reprise. And I was telling him, I was like, you know, the, and the, a part where he opens up is like, is where he goes, I've longed to discover something as true as this is. And I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, it's, 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 that's when he opens up. That's the cry. Hmm. I was like, and so, so my, I, I sing it differently. I change the note on it because, okay. but it's because that's where it happens, you know, and I, and, and, and so hmm. it, that, okay. that's the, that's, it's all, it is the storytelling. Because if I think about things as a singer or, or the notes then I can get nervous you know am I gonna sure. crack is it gonna okay. do, is it gonna do what it, I'm asking you to am I gonna gotcha. but if I can think about the feeling and what I'm trying <laughs> to communicate then I'm gonna do it okay so that's what that's sort of what that's what riffs are like that's what people would, when they talk about riffs and choosing different notes usually like high notes for you, it's actually based in kind of an acting decision. Absolutely, and I think I, I think for for good singers, for there very few oh. singers are good enough to just sing. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. to just totally. be letting you listen to what their voice can do, as yeah. opposed to listening to their voice. Mm. Almost mm. all the best singers recognize I, I'm here to not listen to what your voice can. Don't show me what your voice can do. I want to listen to your voice. Yeah, you know, I yeah. want to hear the note. I want to hear the purity of that tone. I want you to just carry that. Whitney, just sing that. Celine, just sing. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like it's, it's these glory notes that just carry because I'm listening to the richness of your voice. You're inviting me into the vibration of your tone. Mm. And that is, you're allowing the emotion to swell with that lyric where you've brought me. You know, so it's, yeah. you know, it's, I'm thinking about the story. And because the, the songwriter was thinking about the story. You know, that yeah. that's what they were, they're trying to communicate the thing. The composer's thinking about, so if you are going to choose the note, a different note, it's got, it's, it's got, got to be, Coming from what was on the page. Sure. You're channeling the songwriter in that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And every time you do it. I don't think I've ever seen... It's like watching Alan Menken do... When mm. Alan Menken watches Lilius White sing his songs, yeah. it's like, he's. this is how my music is supposed to sound. Yeah. 
Like I when 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 yes. she is singing them. Yes. That when you see the creator and then the performer and the creator's like, Yep, that's exactly what I envisioned. Yeah, he, I didn't he didn't write all of those rhythms, he didn't write every sync. <laughs> that is the song. I knew yeah. when I wrote it like this and I gave it to her, she's I gonna wanted do it to that's be like the song. that. Bring it to life. I when I think of that kind of um though that kind of like singing the story and finding the story in the notes themselves and in the purity of that voice, I think of Lachance. Mm -hmm. That's the person who I, she's like the storyteller of, she tells stories in her vibrato, you know? She does. <laughs> it's that kind of like. It's one of those things I was always like, you know, I loved all, you know, everybody's return to the color purple and their celebration of, yeah. of, of Celie and of a wonderful perform performance by Cynthia. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But the thing I, I always rec recognize, particularly that song, The Color Purple, I remember when oh. they were writing it and when we were building it, and the person who That's figured so cool. that song out was LaShawn's. <laughs> she figured really? that song out. You know, it's like everything that anybody has done with that song since then is based on what LaShawn's discovered. That is and that so key cool. change and that note, that pure note just carrying you through. It's like that is the moment. You're talking about the song Color Purple, right? The Color Purple, Not yeah. the reprise of that song? Not the I'm talking about the song The Color yeah. Purple, yeah. Okay. And she helped form it. I love stuff yeah. like that. And I mean, and uh, yeah, because I'm not talking about. I mean, it is. I'm still here is a, another beast she figured oh, out. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, but I'm talking about like that color purple reprise yeah. at the end, where we're the color purple song. You know, it's like totally all of that. You know, she. I didn't realize. So you were there for the development of that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. For you know, them writing new. We only stuff. had a, a, a. We only had one act when we went down to Atlanta. Oh, okay. And Marsha and I wrote a whole new second act. And kind That's of based so on what cool. we were all doing. Now. That's so cool. Yeah. And you and you did work. Is it safe to say you worked with Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber for Jesus Christ Superstar? Yeah, yeah. Or I mean, he... He, you know, look. Obviously, his work was done. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, it stood the test of time. <laughs> right. You yeah. Know, so he was really in and out. Um, just you know, he would check on tempos and making sure lyrics were coming. And he through did clearly orchestrations and, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me. So you know, his he really he and his team were were there, kind of cool. maintaining the integrity. But they really let David and Camille shape the show, you cool. know, that we were building. Camille, that stuff was amazing. Yeah, Camille that was Brown. awesome. Um, I we should wrap up. I want to ask. What I mean, what. For those actors who are in that position of um, maybe they're just graduating for Colum from Columbia and they're trying to be the next Simba or some such, <laughs> what um, what advice would you go back and tell yourself? What do you wish you knew, you'd known in those days? You know, I wish I'd known that, like, there's time enough. Mm. There's time enough to, to try things and to, and to mess them up. And to try something else or to try the same thing again. Mm -hmm. I wish I'd been able to embrace that. I, I wish I wish that I could say whatever it is you say to yourself to to alleviate yourself from from like blame and self doubt mm. and feelings of lack of self worth. I really wish I could start working on that more then. That's what I would do. And if, because it's, our profession is so, I mean, it is one, it's a process of evaluation. And even as a successful actor, you're probably going to get cast in 30% of the auditions you go to. Sure. As a successful actor. Yeah. So you're dealing with rejection and personal evaluation all the time. It's all, you know, ultimately, it's all how you feel about yourself mm -hmm. but you're you're caught in systems and constructs that will make you go through this process all the time and it can be very easy to fill yourself with self-doubt or a lack of self-worth and to break yourself down in those ways and 
to really fight that process and to seek seek support in that process because mm. everyone around you is doing the same thing. Right. <clears throat> might as well stick together and find yeah. those like-minded artists like you said. Yeah. Because every, every actor has to go through that. Yeah. I love the idea of like feeling insecure about them secretly training a Simba behind your back. That just <laughs> sounds like a normal... I feel like an actor experiencing that fear is in isolation. Like they feel like I'm the only person experiencing this. Like I, it's yeah. all... I'm so isolated. But it's what everybody goes through. Well, you know, David said to uh, a bunch of our... Uh, to the ensemble when we started the process, he said... Uh, he said, you know, anytime we all start a show and we walk into a room like this, we all spend most of the time, or at least the first half of it, afraid that we're going to get found out. <gasps> found out. And that once wow. we're found out, we're going to be out of here. And, huh. and he said, well, I want you all to know that you have all already been found out. Yeah. And that is why we brought you here. <laughs> so be yeah. everything that you are, because mm -hmm. that is what we want. That's how you banish the thoughts of not enough self-worth. It's mm -hmm. just having someone say, you are worth it because you're and here. And I've already found you out. Yeah. Because it's also, it's very easy to accept that, you know, like, you're here because you need to be, and like, and the, the smart self-destructive person would be like, yeah, because I've shown you what you needed to see to get me in here. It's like, you, <laughs> I'm good enough at what I do that you don't I know who I am. Because once you discover who I am, you're not going to want me here because uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not. Interesting. Interesting. Brandon, thank you. You're this welcome. is awesome. Um, any parting words of wisdom for our listeners? Um, Tell us how much you love backstage. I love backstage a great deal. Backstage, particularly when I was in college, always made me feel connected to the community. Um, and it maintains that to this day. I love backstage. Um, yeah, I'm here for backstage all day. And I say to everybody out there, make sure that you are saying yes to as many people as possible and that you are advocating for as many people as you as you possibly can because if we all help each other more we won't have to worry about helping ourselves so much mm. wonderful beautiful way to end it on a on a perfect high note and a little bit of propaganda for backstage perfect <laughs> In the Envelope, an awards podcast, is recorded at Lotus Productions, Hyperbolic Audio, and Big Yellow Duck in New York City, and Soundbox LA, Mark Grau Studios, and Buzzies in Los Angeles. Like, rate, subscribe, tell your friends, and follow us on Twitter at In the Envelope. Thanks, as always, to producer, editor, and all-around podcast extraordinaire, Jamie Muffet, and thank you to the team at Backstage the most trusted name in casting. That's Peter Rappaport, Rowan Al-Khatib, Francis Ramos, Caitlin Watkins, Lauren Rout, Mark Stinson, and especially Casey Howe. For more awards and industry coverage, head over to Backstage.com. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time for another glimpse in the envelope. <laughs>